ear, here, and in the back for giving. So our speaker, he's he flew in, by the way, in case y'all knew this. He flapped his arms real hard, flew all the way into Charlotte this morning. And we weren't sure if he was going to make it, but we made it. And then he even survived the even scarier trek of driving in the church van with me for two hours and uh, helped his prayer life an awful lot. But uh, uh, mine too. I had my eyes closed the whole time. But... Uh, but no, grateful that he's here, but he's come on a love offering, all right? So I love him, and I love him because he loves the Lord and he preaches the Bible. And so let's give and let's honor our servant who's come here this week uh, to take time. In case y'all don't know, and I'm sure he might mention as well, uh, Taylor went from being an evangelist to pastor. And while he was an evangelist, he preached very pastorally, and that's why I appreciate him so much. But uh, So his life is, has changed a, a lot, and so he won't be able to do some of these things quite as often as he once used to. He won't be living on the road, uh, but um, we, we are grateful, so we want to be a blessing to him, as I know he will be a blessing to us. But tonight, let's pray, and then Brother Jael is going to come and lead us uh, in some songs, and we're going to stand, and we're going to worship the Lord tonight, and then we're going to get to the preaching. All right, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this night, grateful for uh, the opportunity that we can take time this week uh, to hear the preaching of your word. And, and Lord, I believe that, that you would have us to, to receive all that we need tonight in Christ, that tonight if there's one who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, I believe that you can save them, that you would desire to do so. Lord, open up hearts uh, to receive you the truth of the word by faith. And God, we pray uh, if there's a saint in here who's just struggling with sin or, or just needing of encouragement or perhaps conviction, whatever the need might be, that tonight, Lord, your word would go forth and accomplish great things. We pray for your presence to be amongst us, Lord. We pray for your spirit uh, to give power to Brother Taylor as well to us as we sing, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in all things. And Lord, we just want to thank you that we could even come to you in prayer and have that privilege to come and to worship you and to know you. And Lord God, I pray that you would just meet the needs of every heart tonight. And Lord, so grateful for folks who would be willing to come out on a Monday night to hear your word. Lord, would you bless them for it? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening. And uh, I appreciate my pastor. He, uh, I told somebody here a while back, uh, kind of in testimony, that he he always puts a smile on our face, and I appreciate that. And we love you, Pastor, and thank you for putting a smile on our face for the first time today, you know? <laughs> okay. If you're able, please stand. Turn to hymn number 434. Revive us again. Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Psalm 80, verse 18. Revive us again. All four verses. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone. shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory. 
message in that third verse. Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. standing if you're able hymn number 329 329 there is power in the blood uh, scripture tells us in revelation 12 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb precious lamb amen we'll sing all four verses of this 329 there is power in the blood Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would your evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder, power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. You may be seated. And now we have a special by Miss Cammie.
Okay, just making me more nervous. <laughs> you down and you feel more broken than whole when the wounds go deeper than words and you can't tell a soul I may not know But one thing I found that I really want you to know If it matters to you, it matters to the Master He wants to share the burdens you bear Whisper peace when your world gets shattered joy or your deepest pain or you're really needing an answer if it matters to you it matters to the master too busy to care about your trouble and strife. He sees the sparrow that falls to the ground, and he hears the tears that don't make a sound. If you only knew how precious you are in his to share the burdens you bear whisper peace when your world gets shattered if it's your greatest joy or your deepest pain or your really needing an answer if it matters to you it matters to the master
All right. Well, it's preaching time. It's Brother Taylor. You come and uh, you preach as long as you need to, brother. Amen. That's his fault. Well, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And the good news is I don't preach long because I preach fast. Amen. And so it is good to see you here on a Monday night. Uh, the kickoff for the fall 2022 revival. Thank you for being here. And we were here two years ago, and so if some of your faces are familiar, uh, but some of you are brand new. And so that's always a good thing when you come back to a church and there's new faces. That means there's some growth going on, and the folks have been added to the church, so it's good to see you tonight on a Monday night. And it's also good to see our friends from Waynesboro. And it was a surprise to see them pull in tonight, but on the other hand, it wasn't a surprise because that's the kind of friends uh, that they are. And so I was so glad to see them. And we just had wonderful, wonderful memories and meetings over there at Shenandoah Heights. And so I love these friends, and I'm grateful for them. And I uh, love them, so so grateful they would come. And whether they came for the preaching or the Wendy's on the way, I'm not sure. Uh, but either way, they're here tonight, and I am grateful for that. So we enjoyed fellowship before the service, and we'll fellowship on the way out as well. Uh, but thank you, friends, for being here. And you say, I'm tired. Well, join the club. I left the house at 4.30 this morning. I drove an hour and a half to the airport, and the flight got delayed an hour, and uh, got on a plane, flew here. We drove an hour and a half, uh, 40 minutes up from Charlotte. And so here we are tonight, but I'm glad to be here and uh, looking forward to just a good, good time around God's work and uh, looking forward to spending the week with you. I'm looking forward to spending the week, my friend, Brother Joe and uh, Miss Cammie, and I sure appreciate them. And I love to see what the Lord has done in their lives. In fact, the entire Bryant family's life. That's a, that's a story of the power of the gospel. Uh, Jesus changed that family. And as a result, we see you get to enjoy uh, Pastor Joe week in and week out. Uh, so I'm so thankful for them. And I'm so glad to be here. And my name's Taylor Gillespie. And normally, I have my wife and my little girl with me, uh, but uh, my wife is pregnant with a little boy. And so her energy has shot this go around. And so we'd go ahead and just uh, say, y'all just stay back on this one. And I'll go solo on this one. And so, uh, so normally they're with me, but about a month, uh, I guess, beginning of September, we took a church, became a pastor, and uh, so for the past five or so weeks, uh, I've been, uh, I'll be a pastor all week, and on Saturdays, I'll jump on a plane and take the pastor hat off and put the evangelist hat on and go somewhere to preach a revival, and in fact, I was on the eastern shore of Virginia, your state, just last week. I preached Sunday through a Wednesday out there, then Thursday, flew home, preached all day yesterday, and then back on a plane to Virginia today, uh, but the good news is, that's been an every other week rotation, uh, but the good news is this is my last one and so uh, not good news for uh, I'm sad to get off the road uh, but excited to get a little bit more stability and at least not miss any more Sundays but I'm thrilled to be here and I'm excited to see what God's going to do this week and it's always good to get somewhere the traveling's difficult amen but once you get there that's always the joy so I'm excited uh, to spend a week with you and to just see what God's going to do. And what we need some revival, don't we? And we need the Lord to work in our hearts. So I just want to be an encouragement to you and preach just a very basic Christian life message and just point you back to the basics. And that's what we need tonight. And so I'm going to preach about an obscure character in the Bible. And normally I'm a one-passage preacher. I preach, and these folks in Waynesboro know this, I go to one passage. 
passage or just walk through the passage. But sometimes when you preach on an obscure uh, character, uh, you can't just stay in one passage. You've got to uh, flip around just a little bit. So we're going to do a little bit of that tonight, which is a little bit out of character for me. But I think this will be a helpful and encouraging uh, message uh, that the Lord will use to stir our hearts and to get us back to where we need to be uh, in our in, in our in our uh, relationship with Him. And I sure appreciate the Tilly family for being here. And I told him, I said, man, I'm, I'm exactly where you're at, just starting off. And I told our church, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Amen. And so we're going to learn together. So I hope that you're patient and gracious. I told them that. Uh, but we're excited about this new chapter, and I appreciate this new preacher friend uh, that I was able to meet uh, tonight. So thank you for being here. And so we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter uh, number 1. And the uh, letter, the book of 2 Timothy, it's a, a letter from an old preacher to a young preacher. And the old preacher is the Apostle Paul, and the young preacher is Timothy. And in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy uh, that he is in his final season of his life. In fact, Paul says, my departure is at hand. And there's four word pictures in that word departure. You ought to study it out sometime. And one of those means to loose the ropes from the dock and to set sail. And the Apostle Paul had set sail many times on his missionary journeys. Uh, but he says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I'm about to unloose the ropes from the dock and I'm going to set sail one last time, but this time I'm going to eternity, I'm going to be with God. And I love that word departure. He did not say my death is at hand. He said my departure is at hand. He says this is not the ending. Uh, this is just the beginning. When I draw my final breath and my heart beats for the last time and my head gets lopped off, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to be with God. My departure is at hand. And uh, so he writes this letter to this young preacher, his protege, and uh, Paul and Timothy were very different, weren't they? Uh, Paul was courageous, he was bold, he was tenacious, he, he could just persevere uh, through just the trials and the opposition that he faced, uh, but Timothy uh, was very different in his disposition and his personality and his makeup. In fact, Timothy's besetting sin was timidity. In fact, that's why he said in chapter 1, he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And that spirit of timidity and fearfulness that, and anxiety that possesses us, that spirit does not come from God. That spirit comes from the devil. And so Paul knew that this young preacher was struggling. Uh, he was discouraged. He was fearful. Uh, there was a temptation to be ashamed uh, of Paul and even of the gospel. And so he knew that if this young preacher was going to make it, he would need some encouragement. He was going to have to learn to grit his teeth and lean on the grace of Jesus in order to make it to the finish line. And so Paul's heart goes out to this young man. And so he writes him a personal letter. In fact, really, when you read 2 Timothy, you're reading somebody else's mail, to be honest with you. And so although this letter was not written to us, it was written for us. Amen. And here in chapter 1, he opens up his greeting. And Paul is just trying to encourage this young preacher. And uh, he expresses, in fact, let's just read it together tonight. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And, and uh, Paul, obviously, they would sign their names at the beginning of those letters in the, in the Bible times instead of the ending like we do today. And so you just imagine as, uh, as Timothy would read that, uh, that name, the Apostle Paul, uh, his heart was just filled with comfort and excitement to know that he had received a hand letter, a lit written letter uh, from uh, his mentor and the man who poured his life into him and uh, spent so much time shaping him and uh, pouring into 
unto him, and he says, Paul, an apostle of the uh, of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And we know that Apostle Paul's testimony, how God uh, changed him on the road to Damascus. He had that head-on uh, collision with the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, God changed his life that day, didn't he? And changed his direction and changed everything about him. And uh, he asked that famous question. He said, Lord, what will thou have me uh, to do? And by the way, that's the question that every Christian ought to be asking tonight. Lord, what do you want me to do? Let me tell you something. God's got a plan for you. He's got a goal for you. He's got a purpose for your life. God, what is your plan and purpose for me? What would you have me to do? And of course, he became an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said it was by the will of God. In other words, he said, I didn't volunteer for this. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't choose this. He said, I was summoned to this. I was called to this. Uh, God called me. I'm an apostle by the will of God. And then he goes on to say, uh, according to the promise of life, which is in a Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Here was a man who was facing death, but he's focused on life. He was facing death, but he was focused on life. And can I say that our gospel, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, is a message of life. Amen? Abundant life, eternal life. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, ye who are dead in trespasses and sins, have he, has he quickened, has he made alive? It's a message of life. And then he says to Timothy in verse 2. And he goes on to say, my dearly beloved son. He says, Timothy, I want you to know that I love you. Uh, Timothy, I have you in my heart. And he goes on to say, a grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, Timothy, I want God's best for you. I want you to experience the grace of God, the mercy of God, uh, the peace of God. And by the way, usually Paul would just say grace and peace, grace and peace, uh, grace and peace. But when he wrote to Timothy and Titus, uh, two young pastors, he included the word mercy in that greeting. You say, why is that? Well, you study that yourself, and you tell me. And he goes on to say in verse 3, he says, I thank God. He says, Timothy, I want you to know that I appreciate you. And he says, Timothy, I want to encourage you, and I want you to know uh, that you've been a blessing to me. And he was a grateful uh, for Timothy. And by the way, every Paul needs a Timothy, and every Timothy needs a Paul. You need someone to mentor you, and you need someone who you can mentor. And he goes on to say that with pure conscience, that uh, without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I have remembrance of thee. In other words, he says, first of all, I have you in my heart. Then he says, I have you on my mind. And then he says, I have you in my prayers. Timothy, I'm praying for you. Night and day, perpetually, I am praying for you. Can I say, there's nothing more encouraging than to know that people pray for you. Amen? And I was at a church earlier this year. In fact, I preached a camp meeting down in Texas. And on the Sunday before, it was in Paris, Texas. I pulled in and I preached there last year. We came back again this year. And right before the evening service, an older couple came up to me and said, Brother Taylor, the last time you were here, God used the message that you preach in our life, blah, blah, blah. And they said, I want you to know that God put it on our heart. We pray for you every day. Boy, that's encouraging. And, uh, boy, we ought to be praying for folks, and we ought to tell them that we're praying for them. 
And he goes on to say, I'm just getting the outlay and the context and the spirit of the letter. We'll get into our text in just a moment. And he says in verse 4, greatly desiring to see thee, once again, just expressing affection, a genuine concern for Timothy. He says, be mindful of thy tears. Apparently the last time they were together, uh, Timothy had tears running down his face. And whether he was just sad that Paul was leaving, uh, whether he was just overwhelmed with the problems within the church and the ministry, for some reason he was crying. But then he goes on to say uh, that uh, when I see you, I may be filled with a joy. And so in the first opening verses of this letter, uh, Paul is just telling Timothy, Timothy, I love you. I care about you. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. I'm praying for you. Boy, don't you know that encourages heart? And let me tell you something, people need to hear that, don't they? And we need to hear that, we need to tell other people that. Uh, uh, Paul was a godly mentor in Timothy's life. And if you're going to be a mentor in other people's life, then those elements need to be a part of your relationship with them. He had a relationship with him. They spent time together. They traveled together. They ministered together. They evangelized together. They preached together. They planted church together. It's hard to mentor someone if you don't have a relationship with them. So you can impress people at a distance, but you can only impact people up close. That was free tonight. Here's our text. Notice the Bible says in chapter number 6, uh, verse number 6, I'm sorry, chapter 1, uh, verse number 6, no, verse number 5. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, I want you to know that your relationship with God brings me joy. But then he's about to remind Timothy that the reason you have a relationship with God is because somebody else that God put in your life. And he goes on to say this. He said in verse 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, watch it now, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Father, we need you tonight, and I pray that you would lift these simple, basic, elementary Christianity 101 truths off of this one verse, with a couple of verses we'll see tonight in this letter, and Lord, would you apply them to our lives. And Lord, we need a revival tonight in our hearts, but Lord, we need it in our homes as well. And Lord, strong families make strong churches. And so Lord, tonight, I pray specifically that you would use this message to begin to re, uh, revive the homes of uh, Victory Way Baptist Church and Shenandoah Heights Baptist Church. Lord, speak to our hearts, challenge us, and uh, encourage us tonight as we get this first night of revival kicked off. In Jesus' name, amen. The story's told of some brand new parents. After bringing their first baby home from the hospital, the wife suggested to her husband that he try his hand at changing diapers. I'm busy, he said. I'll do the next one. The next time the baby was wet, she asked if he was ready to learn how to change diapers. He gave her a puzzled look, then said, I didn't mean the next diaper, I meant the next baby. And... Uh, and uh, there may be some responsibilities that we as parents and even Christians can uh, pass on and maybe uh, assign to someone else. Uh, but can I say tonight, when it comes to the responsibility of influencing the next generation and influencing our kids and grandkids and the young people that attend our churches, that is not a responsibility that we can pass on and neglect and assign to someone else. 
Well, preaching an entire message, uh, a sermon on a woman who's mentioned briefly in the Word of God is not an easy task uh, due to the lack of information uh, that were given about her. But when you and I consider the, the impact that she made, uh, the direct impact that she made on Timothy, and the greater impact he made uh, for Jesus Christ, uh, you and I would do well for a few moments uh, to get real close to the Scriptures and examine the characteristics of this woman so that you and I might emulate them in all lies so that we can have a spiritual influence on somebody else. Amen. It's been said that the greatest contribution that you may make with your life may not be something you do for God. It may be somebody you raise for God. Tonight in our text, we see Timothy's life was directly influenced by the sincere faith, a scriptural teaching, and the supportive encouragement of his mother, Eunice. And I want to say tonight, every parent, every Christian should strive to be a godly influence on the next generation. So let me ask you a question tonight. Who are you spiritually impacting? Whose life are you having a spiritual influence on? Every Christian, every parent, every grandparent ought to be striving to make a, an impact spiritually on the next generation. Tonight, would you notice with me three ways you and I can make a spiritual impact on the next generation. And I want to preach on this subject tonight, influencing the next generation. Notice number one tonight, we see this from the life of Timothy's mother. If you're going to impact and spiritually influence your kids, your grandkids, or the kids that come through this church, number one, very practical, very simple tonight, make sure your relationship with God is real. Number one, make sure your relationship with God is real. Notice again, verse number five says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. The faith that Timothy possessed was first possessed by his mother Eunice, and the Bible describes both of their faiths as sincere, meaning it was without hypocrisy, meaning it was real, it was genuine, it was authentic, in other words, it was not a show, it was not a sham, it was not a mask that she put on Sunday and took off when she got home after church on Sunday afternoon. Her faith was real, it was genuine, and it was authentic. Eunice was a Jewish woman, but at some point came to put her faith in Jesus Christ and began a real relationship with God. And by the way, that's where a relationship always with God always begins. It always begins by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Neither is there a salvation in any other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Somebody said, in order to get to the Father, you must go through the Son. So in order to have a relationship with God, you've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. At some point, she stopped trusting in her religion and her good works and all the rituals and turned from all that and put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she got saved and Jesus changed her life. Although verse 5 lists the faith of Timothy, his mother, and grandmother, there's an obvious absence in verse number 5. The verse never mentions the faith of his father because unfortunately his father was not a believer. Now it's a mystery how a, how a saved woman like Eunice would have got uh, married to an unsaved man like Timothy's father. 
perhaps it happened before she was saved or uh, perhaps after she was saved she got away from the Lord uh, the Bible does not say at the time of this writing perhaps he had deserted Timothy and his mother perhaps he was dead uh, we can only speculate on that but whether he was present or absent from the physical picture we do not know but we do know for sure he was absent from the spiritual picture his mama was saved but his daddy was not so this evening, we're dealing with, at least in a spiritual sense, a single mother who raised a godly son. And boy, may that, that ought to be an encouragement to somebody here tonight or somebody watching on live stream uh, there on Facebook. Can I say uh, that you can be a single parent and still raise children who grow up uh, to serve God? You do not have to have a perfect home or a perfect marriage in order to raise godly children have a heart for God. And uh, you say, well, I mean, I'm not a single parent, but maybe there's somebody here tonight. There may be a woman here who's married to a man who's passive towards God. Let me tell you something, ma'am. God can still use you to raise some godly kids. There may be some men here today, and you're married to a woman who's passive towards God. Let me tell you, sir, God can use your influence on those kids uh, that they may be raised up to live for Him. God can use... A single mom, a single dad to raise godly children. Timothy grew up in a home where he saw genuine faith lived out in front of him and it created in him a desire to possess that same faith. Now listen to me. Salvation is not hereditary. There's some things that you're going to pass on to your kids for, good, for better or worse. Amen? And sometimes we pass on those physical characteristics and we pass on those personality quirks to them. And there's certain things, the genetics that we pass on to our kids. But the one thing that you cannot pass on by way of hereditary is salvation your kids have to have their own relationship with Jesus Christ just like you do listen to me God does not have grandkids just because your grandma went to heaven or just because your mama went to heaven doesn't mean that you're automatically going to heaven you've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ for yourself and so do your kids salvation is not hereditary but I want to say tonight the way that you live out what you profess to believe will either attract or repel your children to Christ let me say it this way nothing is more repelling than a faith that is phony and nothing is more attractive than a faith that is real let me say it again, nothing is, more nothing is more repelling than a faith that is phony, and nothing is more attractive than a faith that is real. Children are not interested in a phony faith. Let me tell you something, if the only time your kids see you being spiritual is on Sunday, there's a problem. If the only time your kids see you with the Bible is on Sunday when you come to church, there's a problem. If the only time your grandkids hear you pray is when you're called on to dismiss the church in prayer on Sunday morning at about 11.59, there is a problem. It ought to be normal for your kids to grow up in a home where they see mom and daddy with the Bible. It ought to be normal for your kids to hear mom and daddy pray. It ought to be normal. If your kids on Saturday night have to ask you, what are we doing tomorrow, there's a problem. There should be no question what we're doing tomorrow. We're going to do the same thing that we've done since you were born. We're going to church tomorrow. Well, your kids and my kids need to see a faith that is real, that is genuine, that is authentic. 
Here's, here's the wonderful thing about uh, you, you can bring your kids to church, and obviously you ought to, and, and they can learn the Bible, and they learn the truths about God, but as a mother and as a father, you give your children a front row seat to see how a real relationship with God is lived out on a daily basis. It is from your life that they ought to learn how to walk with God. It's from your life how they ought to learn how to have a prayer life and how to, how to, how to, how to live a life of holiness and godliness and how to forgive and how to repent and how to get reconciled with people that we're not right with. Come on now. From your life, they ought to see how to repent. From your life, they ought to see what it looks like to ask for forgiveness. Listen to me. Kids are not looking for perfection. They're looking for sincerity. And some of the best moments in your life and my life as a parent is when we blow it and then we humble ourselves and say, you know what? Daddy was wrong. Daddy blew it. Daddy got upset. Daddy lost his temper. Daddy wasn't real nice to mama. Come on now. Daddy got mad in traffic and said some things he shouldn't have said. Come on now. Hopefully not too bad, but it happens. But boy, in those moments when we can finally put our pride aside and humble ourselves and say, you know what? I, I need to ask Jesus to forgive me, and I need to ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I'm going to ask Jesus to help Daddy do better. You don't think that would make an impact on your kid's life? Let me ask you a question. Do your kids ever see that? Your grandkids ever see that? Everybody okay tonight? This is not Wednesday night Bible study. This is a revival service. You can sit out in the lobby and you can cuss all you want to about the condition of this country. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for a place, if you're looking for someone to blame, it starts in our homes. Problem is, we spend all of our life taking the kids to Sunday school and Sunday morning and thinking the church is going to take care of it and we can live however we want to at home and not instill godliness into them and not live out a real Christian life. Come on now. And we wonder why we're in the mess that we're in. There was no doubt as Timothy grew up in his home that he saw Jesus in his mama's life. Let me ask you a question. Do your kids see Jesus in you? You want to impact the next generation? You want to have a spiritual influence on your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and nephews and the young people that come to this church? Then you better make sure your relationship with God is real. Number two, notice this. Number one, you must make sure your relationship with God is real. But number two, if you're going to influence the next generation, then secondly, you must make sure you prioritize the Bible. Make sure you prioritize the Bible. Notice chapter 3, verse number 15 tonight. Verse number, chapter 3, verse number 15. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom. Notice that word there, whom. That word is plural. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And he goes on to say, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. In chapter 3, Paul exhorts Timothy to continue in the things that he has learned, knowing of whom he learned them from. The word whom is plural, referring not only to the apostle Paul, but also to his mother and to his grandmother. The following verse tells us that he began to learn the word of God as a child, which implies that someone began teaching him the Word of God as a child. Well, who was that? That was his mother, and that was his grandmother. 
And as a young child, he had a mama who began to teach him the word of God. And can I say one of the best ways to spiritually influence your children is by instilling into them the importance of the word of God at a young age. Teach them to read the Bible. Teach them to study the Bible. Teach them to memorize the Bible. Uh, teach them to love the Bible. And most importantly, teach them to live the Bible. In fact, let's just turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, folks from Waynesboro, this ought to be a familiar text. I think the pastor used this on his Facebook Live this morning. This was not planned. The Lord put it together. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, the Bible says in verse number 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou wakest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. What's God saying? He's saying, parents, you have a responsibility to teach your kids the Bible. Well, I thought that was the preacher's job. Well, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's your job, and it's my job. It's our responsibility. And man, he, he goes through here, and he says, hey, when you wake up, you ought to be talking about the Bible. When you get ready to go to bed, you ought to be talking about the Bible. Hey, you ought to write it, you ought to write it on the doorpost of your house. In fact, in those days, they would write Scripture and put it in little tiny boxes and, and tie it to the front of their heads. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to do all that. I'm not saying you've got to take a Sharpie marker and literally write Bible verses on the front of your house. I'm not saying that, but I don't think it's too much to ask that we can put some Bible verses on the fridge with a magnet. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying you intentionally keep the Bible in front of your family. We talk about it. On the way home from church on Sunday morning, we ask our kids and grandkids, well, what did you learn? What was the lesson about? What was the Bible story about? What does that mean? Come on now. Hey, when, when, it, when it's, I don't even know if you have a Sonic here in Hillsville, but when you're on the way to happy hour in Sonic, I get in the drink with your kid in the passenger seat. Do you realize that you can talk about the Bible even then? I'm not telling you you got to preach to them, and you don't got to make it awkward, but you just talk about spiritual things. You say, well, talking about spiritual things is, is awkward. You know why it's awkward? Because you don't do it. I'm not saying to be unkind. That's true. Anytime you do something for the first time, it's always awkward. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more natural it is. And at some point, you have to take the step and begin talking about the Bible with your kids and with your family. You know what awkwardness is? Awkwardness is spiritual warfare. Mark it down. Deuteronomy chapter 6 makes it very clear that it's the, it's the job and the responsibility of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa to make sure that they teach the word of God and keep it before their children. You say, well, preacher, I mean, I mean, how can I prioritize the Bible in, in my home today and in our family? How do we do that on just a very, very practical level? Here's a few ways. Number one, if you're going to prioritize the Bible in your home, in your marriage, in your family, first of all, you must have a love for the Word of God yourself. 
Let me tell you something. Your kids will be passionate about the things you're passionate about. Your kids will be excited about the things that you're passionate about. Listen, the sports teams that you cheer for are the sports teams that your kids cheer for. The activities that you enjoy doing are the activities that your kids enjoy doing. And don't expect your kids to have a passion and a love for the Word of God if you don't have, if you're not passionate and have a love for the Word of God. And, boy, the best thing that can happen this week is for some mamas and some daddies and some grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles to fall in love with the Word of God and have a Bible revival this week. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 says, But in his law doth he delight, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. As a newborn babe desire the sincere milk of the word, that she may grow thereby. Job said, I does, I, the, I, I, uh, he prioritized the word of God more than his necessary food. And all throughout the Bible, we find men and women who had a passion for the word of God. Number one, if you're going to uh, prioritize the Bible, first of all, you have to love the Bible yourself. And by the way, that's where revival always begins. Personal revival always precedes public revival. You get right with God, and then other people may get right with God. But it always starts with us. Number two, notice this. Not only have a, must you love the Word of God yourself, but number two, if you're going to make the Bible a priority, bring your kids to church. Excuse me, I was eight years old when mom and dad took me to church. They didn't ask me if I wanted to go to church. They took me to church. <laughs> and it was when I was eight years old that the vacation Bible school, I heard the gospel and all the dots connected and the Holy Spirit began to draw me to Jesus and I got saved at eight years old. Because mom and daddy took me to church. The fact of the matter is, some of you have grown kids that do not go to church. But if you would work at it, you may be able to bring your grandkids to church. The fact of the matter is, listen, I get it. I got people in my church right now who the only, the, the kids in their family, the only spiritual influence they have is a grandma and grandpa. And I'm sure in a crowd this size, there's some same exact situations here as well. Man, do what you can to raise your kids in church. Number three, notice this use the Bible to share the fundamental truths of the gospel. Use the Bible to share the fundamental truths of the gospel. You say, what do you mean? Verse number 15, and that from a child of chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. The Bible tells us how to be saved. I was uh, several years ago, we were over not too far from here, we were over in Czech, Virginia, preaching up on the, on the mountain there, on the hill, and uh, it was the last night of revival, and a young boy came out into the lobby, and as he's passing the preacher, he said, Pastor, uh, can, can I have one of them books that tells you how to get saved? And the pastor said, you're talking about a Bible? He says, yeah, a Bible. How many thankful for the book that tells you how to get saved tonight? Can I tell you, you ought to be, you say, what, what do I teach from the Bible? I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. You can take the Bible and show your kids that they're sinners. And if your kid's like mine, there's plenty of opportunities for that. Amen? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is anything that I say, think, or do that breaks God's law. You can show that from the Bible. You can walk through the Ten Commandments. And as you begin to show them, the Bible says that the law is a schoolmaster which brings us to Christ. Take the Bible and show your kids that they are sinners. Not in a hateful way, not in a mean way, but just to say, listen, when you disobey, the Bible says you should honor and obey your parents. When you disobey, that's sin. When you take something that does not belong to you, the Bible says that is sin. When you take God's name in faith and says, oh my G-O-D, the Bible says that is sin. 
We take the Bible and show our kids what sin is, the fundamental truths of the gospel. Well, we ought to teach them that there's a penalty for sin. For the wage of the sin is death. Well, there's a penalty if we don't get saved. We're separated from God forever. But then we ought to share with them the sacrifice and the substitute of the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting, uh, everlasting life. Uh, you ought to be able to say, hey, listen to me, God loves, the, God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his Son to die for you on a cross and shed his blood to pay for your sins. And then Jesus was buried and he rose again on the third day. And Jesus is alive today. And if you put your faith in him and trust in him you can be saved listen to me you don't have to have a phd in theology to explain that you don't have to go spend four or five years at a seminary to explain that you just have to be a christian to explain that mamas and daddies you can do that everybody okay tonight i know everybody wants a raw 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 revival and that may come this week but i'm telling you this is what we need we make the Bible a priority. And then number four, notice this, we show how the Bible is our guidebook for life. Notice verse number 16 of our text. Uh, chapter 3, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Listen to me. This book tells me where I came from, and it tells me where I'm going. This, te th this book tells me uh, what a marriage is. It tells me what a man is. It tells me what a woman is. It tells me how to handle my finances. It tells me what kind of friends that I have. It tells me how to handle my emotions. It tells me how to uh, deal with my struggle with anxiety and worry and fear. Are you hearing me? The Bible gives us everything that we need. It's the guidebook for life. And you can teach those simple truths to your children, and we ought to. Number one, if you're going to influence the next generation, first of all, you, you need to make sure that your relationship with God is real. Number two, you need to make sure you prioritize the Bible. And then lastly, number three, make sure you do not hold your children back. If you're going to influence the next generation, make sure you do not hold your children back. Join me in Acts 16 tonight. This is the third place in the Bible that we find Eunice mentioned. And more or less, she's implied here. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse number 1 says, Then came he, that's the apostle Paul, to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, there she is, his mother, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported, speaking of Timothy, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. And verse number four, him would Paul have to go forth with him. Here's what happens. Acts chapter 16, Paul rolls into town, and he is looking for a ministry partner. He's looking for someone who would travel with him, who would minister with him, who would preach with him, who would evangelize with him, who would disciple with him, who would plant churches with him. And when he rolled into Lystra and Derby and started asking for recommendations, the same name kept coming up. Everybody said, have you heard about Timothy? Do you know Timothy? Have you met Timothy? And uh, finally, Paul said, man, what is it about this young man? I've got to meet him. And uh, when he met Timothy, he realized there was a young man who had a heart for God. He had a passion for the Word of God. He had a burden for souls. He lived a godly life. He had a great testimony. And uh, Paul chose Timothy to travel with him 
on his missionary journeys to travel as a co-partner and a co-laborer. And he went from being a son to a student uh, to a co-laborer. You see that progression through the book of Acts and, and through the progression of First and Second uh, Timothy. And, but we can see as he recruited him and, and asked Timothy to come, uh, don't you know that when he finally packed his bags and walked at the front door and he loaded up with the Apostle Paul, he left behind a mother who stood on the doorstep and I believe there's some tears streaming down her face. I believe there's some mixed emotions there. Because she was watching her boy, who she loved, perhaps the only man in the house, someone she leaned on, someone she needed. But there she watched as he walked away to join the Apostle Paul to fulfill the will of God for his life. Although it was hard, I'm sure her heart was filled with joy as well because now she's watching her boy grow up and finally do what she had trained him and encouraged him and prayed for him to do her entire life. Now listen to me. I'm not saying your kid's going to be a preacher, a missionary, or evangelist. I'm not saying that. But your kid ought to know as they grow up that God has a plan for them. If you were to ask my little girl right now, Say, Kylie, what, what are you going to do when you grow up? Here's what she's going to say. I'm going to be a dentist. I don't know why she says that. I don't know where it came from. I hope she does so she can help pay mom and daddy's bills. Amen. But she's going to be a dentist as of right now. And I say, hey, that would be wonderful. And I hope you get scholarships because I ain't paying for it. And so I hope that's wonderful. But then always say, maybe the Lord will let you do that, but you need to do what God wants you to do. I say, God's got plans for you. God's got a will for you. God's got purpose for you. And uh, right now, when instill in her heart that God has created her for a purpose and he has plans for her, and how's the only way she's going to know that? By daddy telling her that. By mama telling her that. And when it comes time for them to fulfill God's will for their plans, God help us not to hinder them or discourage them or to stand in their way. And so on a practical level tonight, a godly parents make sure their children know that God has a plan for their lives. Secondly, godly uh, parents prepare their children to serve God by actively serving God with their children now. It, it ought to look like this. You say, what does that look like on a practical level? Right here. Ma Mama, who, who, uh, who are you making that cake for? Well, uh, Sister So-and-So just had surgery at the church, so we're gonna, uh, I'm going to bake this cake. Uh, so, In fact, you come over here. Here, you grab this mixer, and you stand here. Make sure you don't get all of the counter, but you stand here, and you help Mama mix this cake up right here. And we're going to make this cake together, and we're going to take, take it to Sister So-and-So tomorrow uh, just to be an encouragement to her as she recovers from surgery. Watch it now. We're going to serve the Lord together. Together. Da Daddy, it's Saturday. Well, why are we going to church? It's not Sunday, it's Saturday. Why are we going to church on a Saturday, Daddy. Well, there's a work day at church, and we're going to go volunteer, and we're going to help out, we're going to be a part of it, and, uh, and you're not going to sit home at, and watch cartoons all morning, you're going to come and help me. And uh, we together are going to serve the Lord and help at the, at the work day at church today. We're going to serve the Lord together. Everybody with me? You include your kids with you as you serve the Lord now. And then lastly, godly parents raise their children with the understanding that God has a plan for their lives. And when that plan begins to be set in motion, they do not stand in the way and become a hindrance to them. Can I ask you tonight, 
Are you a godly influence on your children? Are you a godly influence on your grandchildren? Are you a godly influence on your nieces and nephews and the younger people, not just kids, but even the younger couples in this church? Are you a godly influence? Is your relationship with God real? Or are you playing games tonight? Do you prioritize the Bible or do you neglect the Bible? And number three, are you hindering your kids from fulfilling God's will for their lives? Well, I want to influence the next generation, don't you? I want to be a godly influence. And listen to me, you can do all three of those things and your kids may still not serve the Lord. You hear me? It wasn't, the, it wasn't the father's fault the prodigal son left home. Every kid has their own choice. But I want to know as a parent that I did my dead level best to follow the example. I want to be a father like this mother. Amen? Influencing the next generation. Father, we love you tonight. And Lord, a little bit of a different message on a Monday night to get revival kicked off. And Lord, we usually in our minds are expecting a raw, raw, raw message and a lot of fire and a lot of emotion. But Lord, if we're seeking something real that's going to last and make a difference, not just in our generation, but the generation to come, Lord, we've got to get back uh, to the basics of living the way you want us to live and being the kind of Christians you want us to be. And Father, the revival, the reality is revival simply means returning back to normal. And Lord, it ought to be normal to have a real relationship with you, not living a phony life, not putting a show on Sunday morning and going back home and, and living a completely different life, living a life of hypocrisy. Lord, it ought to be normal for Christians to love the Word of God and to teach it to their children. That ought to be normal. And God, it ought to be normal that we raise our kids and point them to Jesus and encourage them to do the will of God for their lives. That ought to be normal. And Lord, if we've not been doing that, then Lord, we need revival tonight, and we need to get back to doing that, that which is normal. Well, if you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, would you pray for me? God used that message in my heart tonight. I needed to be reminded of those truths in the Word of God. And with God's help, there's some changes that I need to make, and there's some areas with His help I need to, I need to work on. And tonight, there's some steps that I need to take. Uh, to get back to where I ought to be when it comes to being a godly influence on the next generation. If that's you, would you raise your hand? You say, preacher, that's me. Preacher, that's me. Well, there's some characteristics in the life of Eunice that I need to emulate in my life. Can I say tonight, the only way that Eunice was able to spiritually impact her son was because, first and foremost, Eunice had a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Eunice and Lois knew Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Do you know Jesus? You say, I know about Jesus. No, do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in him? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking you if you're a good person. You can come to church every time the doors are open and still die and go to a hot burning hill. You can live your entire life and never smoke a cigarette and never take a drink of liquor. Never spend a night in jail and still die and go to a hot burning hell. It's not morality that keeps you out of, hell, out, of, out, of, out, of, out of hell. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that keeps you out of hell. You say, preacher, if I were to die right now, I know that I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you raise your hand tonight? Anyone like that at all? 
preacher, that's me. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm saved. Anyone like that at all? Father, help us to respond tonight and not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And Lord, here in this revival meeting, we come expecting to be confronted uh, with the word of God. And uh, Lord, we need to make changes in our life. Lord, help us to respond tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed as the piano begins to play. Hey, these altars are open and this invitation is yours. Won't you come and pray? Well, we need revival tonight. Revival starts with us. Revival starts in our hearts. Revival starts in our homes. 